Well, with the Lord's help, we turn to the chapter we read, Luke 10. <coughs> and our text in the words of verse 15. Luke chapter 10 and verse 15. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, shalt be thrust down to hell. Exalted to heaven, thrust down to hell. Our subject this evening is both heaven and hell. The solemnity of eternity. There is a very real and unending existence for every one of us after we die. We live in this world a short time. We die. And then we continue to exist in the next without end. And that idea of an existence after death as you know, is one that is far from accepted by many. Indeed, you know that it is sneered at, scoffed at, and derided the idea of a life after death. Especially people who think themselves to be intellectuals, academics, and a step or two more evolved than the rest of us tend to sneer at the suggestion as if it is something that ought to be confined to the history books and to the Middle Ages and to perhaps some uncivilized tribes in the Amazon jungle. Well, tonight we are going to try to have a serious discussion about what happens at death. It's not an easy discussion not easy to think about. It is even very hard for those who are Christians to think for much time about what happens after death. And it is particularly difficult today. And that's not because Christians don't actually believe in heaven and hell at all and it's just a pretense. It's not because Christians are being hypocritical in what they say. It's not because they don't want to think about being with Jesus in heaven. But our generation, and we are all part of this, we have been brought up <coughs> without that seriousness of mind and without a widespread fear of God. And without that quiet humility of spirit that leaves us well equipped to grapple with eternal consequences. And so it is hard for us in a day that is vacuous 
and a time that is focused very much on the instant and on the present and on instant gratification. We are not a generation that copes well with thinking even a year or two or a decade or two ahead, let alone to eternity. But whatever might be our limitations, heaven and hell remain real. They are a solemn reality. And it is clear from our text that Jesus himself believed in a hell and in a heaven. That was his message. And these are his words in our text. Exalted to heaven, thrust down to hell. Heaven and hell is not some ploy then of ministers to frighten people into making the church powerful. It is not the invention of the Christian church to keep folk in order. The teachings of Christ himself on heaven and hell are clear throughout the scriptures and in our passage. Now the Lord Jesus was a plain preacher. He was not a preacher who would soften his words and change his message in order to avoid offending his hearers. But nor was he some sort of willfully offensive and obtuse person who would deliberately, just in order to provoke a reaction, stir them up. He is not trying to do that. He is not trying to damage his hearers at the time, nor is he trying to damage us who are the readers of his words today. He is telling something that is important to be told that is for our own good something crucial to know. And so, dear friends, as we begin to address this matter this evening, I am going to plead with you for a little moment of your time. And before we begin to launch properly into the sermon, I'm going to ask you for that humility of mind to hear what is being said tonight as if you have never heard it before. Not to approach this subject with that sort of high-handedness that you think you know what it is all about because you have heard it since you were young. Maybe you have. But tonight, will you give me just a moment of your time to treat this subject with the seriousness that it deserves, with the solemnity and the stillness of heart Don't switch off, friends, please. Don't get distracted tonight of all nights. Don't be here just to pass the time. Don't be here for a habit. Don't be here for your evening entertainment. Give yourself to the teaching of the Word of God tonight. And let me speak to you as personally as I can from Scripture, though feebly, about heaven and about hell. And may the Spirit of the Lord himself bless this sermon tonight to every one of us, and especially to you who are, in the preaching of the word, exalted up to heaven and in danger of being thrust down into hell. May it be even that some would be saved from hell and assured of heaven. Well, We have three points 
First of all, what was the heaven to which Capernaum was exalted? Thou, Capernaum, art exalted to heaven. That's a wonderful thing that Jesus says about this town, this Galilean town of Capernaum. It's a town that is exalted to heaven. Now, Capernaum is where Jesus based himself for the majority of his public ministry. It's a city in Galilee on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. And for those of you, of course, who've been out in the mornings recently, we've been thinking about it and we're thinking about it this morning. Earlier in the Lord's ministry, it's recorded in the other, another gospel in Matthew 4, Jesus left Nazareth and came and dwelt in Capernaum. And this was done in order to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah. And the Matthew records that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabulon and the land of Nephthalim by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness have saw, saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death is light is sprung up. And from that time, Jesus began both to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's where Jesus was. That's where he preached. And now Jesus says, This city where I've been preaching so much is exalted to heaven. Now, he is not literally speaking, he's not suggesting that some sort of Reenacted the Tower of Babel where people climb up physically to the heights and eventually reach up to heaven. It's not literal. But that is not to say it is not true. He is not exaggerating. He is not stretching the truth. There is nothing excessive about what Jesus says. Capernaum was exalted to heaven. And we can put it like this. Everything that is possessed... By men and women in heaven tonight was promised in the preaching of the gospel to the people of Capernaum. Everything possessed in heaven was promised in Capernaum. That is the way in which it was exalted to heaven. Everything possessed by souls in heaven Promised to sinners in Capernaum. That's what Matthew recorded when he quoted Isaiah chapter 9. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They dwell upon the, in the land, the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. And Matthew closed off that quote from Isaiah by saying that from that time Jesus began both to preach and to say, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near. But this exalting, this declaration of the nearness of the kingdom of heaven is not something peculiar just for the people of Capernaum, far from it. Because all that is promised, all that is possessed in, in, in heaven is promised not only in the preaching of the gospel in Capernaum, but in the preaching of the gospel everywhere. And it is in the preaching of the gospel in Ness here tonight. It is from the gospel 
that we can learn the truth about heaven. It is by the gospel that as we sit under it, we ourselves can be exalted up to heaven. And only in the gospel do we understand what that means. Because you know as well as I do, how many false ideas are there about heaven in our world? You hear it all the time. You can hear it in in common conversation with people. Something looks heavenly. It smells heavenly. It tastes heavenly. It sounds heavenly. Oh, a place. Oh, I've just been on my holidays. It was just heavenly. The weather, anything that was some kind of a treat to people, they might say it was heavenly. You can hear it in the world, the way they think. If I can just have my family around me safe and well, that's heaven enough for me. You hear it in the the popular songs of our culture, either imagining that there is no heaven or else declaring that we'll make heaven on earth. You hear it in false religion of all kinds. Their ideas of heaven come through. Permeating into us. Heaven is a a reworked and a recreated kind of an earth. Or else it's a place of hedonistic physical enjoyment and lust. Or it's even just an idea. It's more of an intellectual concept. It's a utopian ideal. But it's not real. It's there as something for us to strive to. To seek to to pull up uh, the state of our race. You can go and search the world if you like and you will find almost as many notions about heaven as there are people in the world. I even heard once of someone asking a blind man what his idea of heaven was and he said, no sharp corners. That's as far as his mind could stretch as to what heaven would be to him. That would be heavenly. But the only place where we are told the truth about heaven and where we can know what heaven is is in the Bible and in the promises of the gospel. And what God promises to us in the gospel will become the possession of all who will one day enter into heaven. Everything that was promised them will be given. That's heaven. (coughs) So using that as our standard, what is heaven? We can say, first of all, that heaven is the presence and the fellowship of of Jesus that's heaven John 17 24 in his great high priestly prayer as it is called Jesus prays father I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world that's heaven them being with me where I am that they might behold my glory. To be with Christ. The apostle says that. That is far better. That is heaven. That's what makes heaven heaven. To be with Christ is far better. That's its defining characteristic. If you want to know what is heaven. Heaven is being with Christ. That's its primary trait. That's its major point. Now. That leaves us with a question, of course. Would that be heaven for you? As being with Christ, would you imagine heaven to be? Is that what you hope heaven will be or not? 
Maybe already you've heard that first point, you've heard that time and time before. I wonder what else he might say about heaven that would be a bit more attractive to me. It might stimulate my excitement for it a bit more. That's something for Christians, yes, but what about for me? Oh, friends, if the prospect of being with Christ does not thrill your soul, then you'll get what you want. But it won't be heaven. We can say more about heaven than that. We will say more. But if you want more heaven than Jesus, then you don't want heaven at all. Heaven is also, we can say, the perfect sinless enjoyment of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. That's gone. Corruption is gone. Mortality is gone. Death is gone. That's what's left. The enjoyment, the sinless enjoyment of God. Everything that spoils us, everything that corrupts us, everything that makes us tainted with evil is washed away. That's heaven. Heaven is to be there in the presence of Christ, filled with Christ, but empty of all sin. We often think of heaven being the kind of place where if everyone else was the way I want them, if everyone else was perfect, and I wouldn't have to deal with that grief that they bring me into my life, but... It's about ourselves being sinless in the presence of God. Corruption putting on incorruption. So we can say also heaven is a place where sin in all its forms is banished and cannot enter. (coughs) Revelation 21, 27. There shall in no wise enter in anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life we might soon enough rattle off a thousand things we want gone from what we have as our ideal of heaven thousand things that we have to deal with in this world that we don't want to be in heaven we want them rid of these things that trouble us every one of the times when every one of us have had times when we have been hurt by something someone else has said or done We don't want that in heaven. Don't want to have to deal with that kind of thing. All forms of sin, all forms of evil and malice and cruelty in others and in ourselves will be totally excluded from everyone who enters into heaven. Heaven is also the home of God where he dwells with his own people as with his family. Galatians 4, 5. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And again, Revelation 21, verse 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. This is the place where God dwells. God dwells amongst his people. That's heaven. The dwelling place of God. God opening, if you like, his home. To men and to women and to boys and to girls. That's heaven. God welcoming in sinners who are saved through his son into his own residence. That's heaven. And not just welcomed in 
to receive an honour and then send out another door. But welcomed in to make the home of God our home. Heaven is to be the home of all who trust in Jesus. It's a wonderful, marvellous truth. Is the truth of heaven. And all this is what Jesus preached, you see. He preached about heaven. What was it he summarised his preaching? What did Matthew say? He preached, he began to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus spoke about heaven as a kingdom. A kingdom of heaven. A kingdom that has, if you like, sent forth an invasion party into the here and now of this world. That's what the church is. It's Christ's invasion party into the world. Our advanced party bringing the very first blessings of heaven, the air of heaven, the touch of heaven, the blessings of heaven down into this world. Advanced blessings, first fruits, tokens of what it is like. You know it is if you... If we have someone coming to tell us about a far off land, we had somebody coming to tell us about Sri Lanka recently, they might bring a few things from Sri Lanka to show us so that you get an idea of what it's like there. These are tokens, if you like, of what it is. So it is in the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. These first blessings. But there's more. There's more to be had in the land itself. There's more to be had, as it were, in the hereafter. And so Jesus backs up his claims of what heaven will be like by bringing at least the four tastes of these blessings of heaven forward into the present, into the kingdom of heaven on earth. Into his church and amongst his people. We already enjoy many of the blessings of heaven. We already enjoy the presence of God in the church. We already enjoy being the children of God and having God as our father. We already enjoy the protection of his spirit amongst us. We already enjoy the intercession of Christ over us. We already enjoy the word of God teaching us. We already enjoy the praise of his name in the Psalms. And so already in the kingdom of heaven and earth, there is fellowship with Christ, there is communion with God, there is the full and total forgiveness, though not yet eradication of all our sins. Already there is the indwelling of the Spirit and the implantation of spiritual life and graces. Already there is the adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Already there are the seeds of glory. They're called little graces. Faith and repentance, love and hope, joy and peace and believing. Heavenly blessings stamped with the mark of heaven. Given to members of the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. So do Christians say that they have now already heaven on earth? No, not really. We cannot say that. But we have tastes of it. Four tastes of it. We have a mark of it. And all, all who are heaven bound are stamped with the mark of heaven's true stamp. You have down payments, if you like, of future blessings. 
We have marks of grace and promises of glory. All this was preached. All this was declared to the people of Capernaum by the preaching of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven and all that is meant by the king himself, Christ, preaching it. That was the greatest way in which Capernaum was exalted up to heaven. The inhabitants of Capernaum were promised everything that the inhabitants of heaven possess. They were lifted up to see, as we mentioned in the morning, to see over the walls and over the ramparts of the city of God. They were invited to peer down upon her golden streets and survey the blessings of belonging to the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that remains true this day. To this day. Do you want to know about heaven? Do you ponder sometimes in your quiet moments, what's going to happen when I die? What does happen to people at death when a soul leaves the body? When that soul appears before God, what then? Aren't there those who you already known in this world and loved? And their soul has left their body and that soul has appeared before God and what then? What's happened to them? Will you join them? Where will it be if you do? Will you be separated? Will you go to one place and they go to the other? What happens when I die? Well, the clear and certain answers to these eternal questions are found in the gospel. And they are found only in the gospel. And dear people of Ness, once again, this is your place tonight under the gospel. And even by the poorest, poorest preaching that you receive, You are being exalted up to heaven in the preaching of this gospel. Because the things of heaven are promised to you upon condition of you trusting in Christ. All the blessings of heaven are made over to you on condition of you believing in Jesus and repenting of your sins. And they are promised to you once more tonight. Both the fullness of what is to come. And the first glorious foretastes of heaven on earth. Forgiveness, reconciliation, justification, adoption and sanctification. Exalted to heaven indeed. Secondly, what was the hell with which Capernaum was threatened? You've thought a lot about heaven. It is right to think a lot about hell. The way Luke's message here is translated is so solemn. Thou shalt be thrust down to hell. This Capernaum lifted up as it were to the very verges of heaven, the borders of heaven. Granted the blessings of the gospel being preached to them by none less than the king of the kingdom, the saviour of sinners, Jesus Christ. Granted to see his wonders, witness his miracles, benefit from his healings. And are threatened here with losing it all of being cast down to hell. What is the hell that they are threatened with? Friend, have you ever dared to go looking for the answer to that question? What is hell? Have you ever been brave enough to open your eyes for a moment 
and look at what the Bible says hell is. Do you know what hell is? Surely almost impossible for us with our limited capacities and especially with our corruption and our sinful biases to dwell on the awfulness of hell itself for any length of time. But just as with heaven, we can only find out what hell really is from the Bible. And just as with heaven, there is an abundance of nonsense spoken and believed about hell in the world. And it gives you no clear view at all. Somehow, you find those who have no gospel interest, no Bible reading, no Bible expertise. They seem to think that they know what hell is or what it should be. They seem to think themselves well informed about it and assert boldly what hell will be. It'll be for these kind of people or that kind of person, but not for us ordinary folk. How can they possibly know? They mock at what God says hell is in the truth. How often have you heard someone speak of a, a bad day at work as hell? Or even a poor ferry journey on the minch? People speak so loosely, foolish talk. How often is hell trivialized in our thoughts and even embroidered, as it were, with vain ideas that the enjoyments of sin that we have in this life will continue there, but will be magnified. And so we hear clueless, blind fools speak of the enjoyment they'll have with their friends in hell, with all restraint and prohibitions are removed and they can just get on with enjoying themselves. What a party they'll have, all enjoying the sins of this life, so they think. To an ever greater degree. The blindness and friends, the horror of what they say about hell ought to make us shudder. But dear friends, hell is God's fury. Hell is God's punishment. Hell is a place that God had initially prepared to suitably and fully Punish Satan and all the angels who fell, the other devils. And now God considers that this place prepared for the devil and his angels is not too much punishment to give to sinners who refuse his gospel. Hell is where. It's not where there is no God. It's not where men live as they please. No. Hell is where there is no mediator. No one to intervene. No one to intercede. No one to plead your case. No one to come and help. No one to comfort. No one to assist. Hell is a place where there is no saviour. Where there is no mercy. Where there is not the least kindness. Where there is no respite from the agonies of the punishments of our Furious God. Hell is a place where there is no sparing. Hell is a place where there are no friends. Hell is a place where there is no hope. And hell is a place where there is no end. Listen to what hell really is, friends, from the words of our Saviour. He speaks here in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 40. As therefore the tears are gathered and burned in the fire... 
so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Pain and tears will be in hell. Or in Mark 9, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God, having one eye, than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. The worm that dies not is the conscience. And there there is suffering in the agonies of a convicting conscience for eternity. It is relentless. It is full of regret and agony and it is never ending. Or Matthew 25. Then shall he say unto them on on the left hand. Depart from me ye cursed. Into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger and ye took me not in. Naked and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered? Or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them saying, Verily I say unto thee, Inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Cursed. That's what he says. Cursed. Everlastingly. Punished. Separate from mercy. Separate from ever hearing an offer of gospel again, separate from Jesus, flung evermore into the horrifying company of devils and reprobates. Luke 16, 22, And it came to pass when the beggar died, Rich man of Lazarus, you remember. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Tormented. Miserable. To the point where one drop of water, one drop, would have been an inestimable relieving of his suffering. The pain of hell, the punishment of hell, no more chances. Or 
When that was refused, he says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that, they may test, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. That request was refused too. They had Moses and the prophets. They had their Bible. The Bible was the only chance they would get. And the Bible would be not available to them in hell. All the silly, detestable enjoyment of sin will be removed from sin in hell. There'll be no enjoyment. All the guilt of sin will be known, felt, and punished. And all escape, impossible. No end, not ever. Just the anger of God. God angry and angry and angry. That is hell. It is misery and pain and suffering. It's hopeless and it's oh so dark. Outer darkness. And yet it is also justice. It is a punishment not of anyone but only of the guilty. And what is said to the people of, Naz- of Capernaum who are under the gospel? They will be thrust down to hell. Hurled out of God's sight. Thrown not to the wolves, but to the demons. Cast down. Or to be left out of heaven will be one matter. Enough to cause a soul to howl in misery at what their lot has been. But to be put into hell. And the door locked forever behind you. There is here the idea of being removed with all speed. Thrust down. As if your very presence before God any longer upon mercy's ground is an offence to his justice. That, friends, is how the Bible describes hell. And only the Bible knows what hell is. (coughs) Thirdly, finally, what was the reason why Capernaum will miss heaven and enter hell. Because they received not the messengers of Christ. Look at verse 10. Whatsoever city ye enter and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, Where they would not heed the message of the gospel. Where they would not obey the command of Christ to repent of their sins. To forsake their sins. To confess their sins. To turn from them. And to be forgiven. And to seek mercy from his hand. That is why they will be cast into hell. 
And Matthew says it was because they repented not. The whole message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and they repented not and they will be thrust into hell. That is the pathway to hell. It is the cause of an entrance denied into heaven. It is a non-repenting, non-receiving of the message of the gospel. And the question, friend, must be, are you on that pathway tonight? And surely anyone here, if you have the mind of all to consider this and you understand your position, you will give a moment now to think, to think on heaven and hell, not the imaginations of empty, uh, the empty and vain generation that we are in, but in the solemn realities of the Bible about both these destinations. This is what is preached. This is what is promised. This is what is warned to you. Heaven and hell. Will you not consider what will happen to you when you die? Where will you go? And why will you be denied entrance to one and open to the other? Or why will you be denied? Will, as it were, hell be closed to you and heaven be open? Or why will heaven be closed and hell be open? Why will it be one or the other for you? And surely you will think long and hard of your response to this message under the gospel again tonight. And what God requires of you. Because here in this gospel once more. You are being exalted up to heaven. But from that place. It is a further fall down into hell. What has God required of you? What has God promised you? His promises are real. But they are placed. On the other side of repentance. And you may not have them and you will not get them except you repent. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Only through a repenting of your sins are these promises that today are exalting you to heaven. Do they become yours? And are they real? And so we say again, friends, here is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be won. What will it be for you tonight? May he bless his word. Let us pray.